0: This
1: is The Shift
0: Podcast.
1: Hey, welcome to The Shift. John Jang in tonight and for the rest of the week for Shane Hewitt. But I am not alone. Joined as always by uh, the technical producer, the most handsome man this side of, uh, let's say, the Rockies. Yeah, that is Matt MacArthur. Hello here, sir.
2: I'm not as hot as this fire. Oh, that's nice. Oh, it's keeping us nice and (laughs) and toasty. toasty. And
1: by us... That is also including the lead producer for the night. That is Andrew Ferreira. I prefer the title Audio Fungus. Audio Fungus? <laughs>
3: you know, feeding, you know, <laughs> fungi, sur- fungi You know, survive by feeding off the dregs.
2: Well, you sure they are. They
3: decompose what has already died. Oh, boy.
2: Well, you sure are a fun guy, Andrew hey, Ferreira.
3: Hey. hey! If only we had the uh, you <laughs> know, but but yeah. can sound effect. We don't.
1: But. No, we don't. That's okay.
3: No. We just, we just make it on the spot. We're all radio
1: guys. but
3: That means we're all good at making horrible, awful noises with our mouths.
1: Uh, this is very true. I annoy <laughs> a lot of my friends with those sound effects all the time. As a kid, I would get in trouble all the time. Just for being loud and generally <laughs> distracting
3: to every single person around me.
1: That's when you knew I could make a
3: living with this. <laughs> That's pretty much it. I said, well, I might as well try and get
1: paid to be a, a nuisance to those around me. And here we are. I'd say it's worked out pretty nicely. Yeah, we're doing okay. Yeah. In terms of that holiday log that uh, Matt is cooking over right now, Stephen Northvan asking, "What what type of wood is that? Is it seasoned?
2: What type of kindling did you use?" He's very curious here, Matt. Um, well, uh, I mean, the fire is through a TV screen, but I believe it is. <laughs> I believe it is birch. Oh, okay. Um, the,
1: uh, the Mr. Pla- wood Expert over here.
2: The uh, the plaid arm that I've seen stoking the fire um, occasionally has just been you know poking it. Right. Um, I haven't seen him throw any kindling. I do see some kindling on there, though. Might be also birch. Okay. I'm no uh, wood expert. Birch on birch combustion. (laughs) That's because, yeah, some real birch on birch action here tonight. Yes. Yes, indeed. Breaking news birch.
1: It burns. (laughs) It burns. We'll have more on that (laughs) at the bottom of the hour. Now, you mentioned plaid. I've always had to do this like weird mental gymnastics where I think it's very Canadian to own plaid right and and plaid is a very fashionable uh type of clothing style and you can pretty much wear it all year long like you, if you wear plaid during the spring and summer you don't look out of place i don't own a single plaid item oh my god what so I, and this is where i have those mental gymnastics where i tell myself like it's not weird like it's just i don't know maybe it's not my style the thing is i never grew up uh like ever owning anything plaid like my parents never gave me like a plaid sweater or like a plaid jacket or like a plaid anything so then by the time I became an adult and I was you know purchasing things for myself whenever I'm looking for new clothes sweaters or whatever uh plaid doesn't immediately come to come to mind so like I guess the question I'm asking you fellas here am I a terrible Canadian no
2: I mean it's just uh, you know as long as you're covering up your body somehow, <laughs> yeah. Well, I got that much covered. Yeah, yeah. Then you won't go to jail. Now, I, I
1: don't want to go there.
3: I do want to clarify. Are you talking plaid, as in the pattern? Yes, and not the material
1: flannel. Right. No. Well, oh, both. Right. Both. Because because like the iconic plaid flannel is it's like as Canadian as as it can get when yeah. when you're talking about like stereotypical Lumberjack. Canadian look. Exactly. Like. I'm um, a lumberjack. You know, like, it's the image that pops to mind, I think. That and Mounties. But, like, you know, I'm not a RCMP officer, so I don't have access to their uh, to their wardrobe. But I don't own, like, that flannel. Like, so I don't know, man. I used to be a plaid
3: flannel guy in high school. Oh. Uh, but then as time wore on, I ditched the plaid and now I wear plain flannel. Oh. Like what I'm wearing right now. For the folks who can't see, it's a nice burgundy flannel shirt. Um, but I just... You know, flannel, I think flannel is more important than the plaid itself, and that might be a hot take. I mean, I
1: I, I don't know, because flannel is very useful. Like, we we live in Canada. Yeah. Like, you're going to get value and usage out of that. But I don't even own anything plaid, for that matter. Like, it doesn't have to be flannel. I just don't no. own anything plaid. You're fine. Maybe I'm just a weirdo. You're fine. Know. You're fine. Well, I appreciate that. You're fine.
3: All right. Although, it is
1: Boxing Day slash week.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I bought myself a bento box.
3: Oh, is that is that the one from? Is that brand new?
1: Yeah. Oh. Because I brought it into work tonight because I'm Wonderful. like trying to get into the habit of, you know, preparing dinners and meals for myself whenever I come to work. So I bought myself that bento box.
2: Yeah. Um, I have a fireplace update. Oh. Uh-oh. Okay. Um, Andy in Porcoquitlam says that it is cedar. Oh. Not what? birch, like I had uh, completely guessed on. Okay. But how does he know? Well, uh, he's watching the same channel. Okay. Yeah. So verification from our, our shift heads. We've got
1: some wood experts we've listening some, to the show. Some
2: real uh, experts in wood out there. Interesting. And uh, yeah, Trucker Dan says uh, birch is hot, but nothing beats a nice piece of ash. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: hey, well said, man. <laughs> Touche. Well said, uh, Trucker Dan. Also chiming in with this one. I think I have a dozen plaid flannel shirts and several light plaid shirts. See, that's the thing, man. Like I, I could, I can't do it. Not that I haven't tried. I, I literally have tried it on. Like I'll, I'll go to the dressing room, but then I look at myself and I'm like, oh, I just I don't know if it looks. I like I, I feel like I'm I'm looking like a wannabe. You know, like hi, I'm trying to be Canadian, and yeah. that's that's not a good image to be putting out there. Well, right? You're not a wannabe though.
3: Wearing 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 a flannel plaid shirt mm. in Canada is. Just kind of what you'd do. Yeah. Right. Okay. Like I, I for like I. This is a personal note, but like I wear you know pl- uh, flannel shirts literally all year. It can be 35 degrees out, and I'll be like, no, right. I'm keeping this thing on.
1: Hey man, whatever this is works. who I
3: am, and if I sweat, that is my problem.
1: It's my sweat, not yours. Exactly. You don't get to control my sweat. No, that's under my control. Glenn chiming in, he says it's okay if you don't wear, but it's an unforgivable. Uh, to be a Canadian without a box of Kraft Dinner in your cupboard. Ooh, I don't have Kraft Dinner oh. because I'm lactose intolerant. Okay, you can be forgiven for that. Though. Right? That's like, out of your control. I,
3: I got to get out of jail card with that one. Like, I ain't going to tell you to buy Lactaid and man up and well, do I it. Well, I do
1: have Lactaid. Course, yeah. But the thing is, like, your body builds immunity to that kind of stuff. Exactly. You got you to gotta choose when right? to use it. Right, and, and I do. I'm carefully, uh, you know, choosing when I want to pop those pills. <laughs> that sounds really, For lack of a better that's word. That's a dangerous thing to be saying on the radio. But when I choose to use my lactate, it's because, like, oh, this is a gorgeous lasagna that's in front of me. And I know I just want to stuff my face with it. Right? Can't just use it willy-nilly
2: the phones are blowing up on this oh my goodness yeah. I know
3: people oh. I know people who you know they bite the bullet for a good you know a good lasagna or you know ice cream yeah and you no know, I mean bite the bullet My ladies doesn't even bother with the oh, lactate they, they, oh they just they accept they, the they, consequences yeah and sometimes I do too I like, understand I respect it like pizza oh yeah <sighs> i I respect it sometimes you gotta go hard for what you love
1: you gotta pay the price you gotta pay the price in order to enjoy a good meal i think that's what we're understanding here guys uh that's the biggest lesson here on the show tonight uh let's go to evelyn out in winnipeg evelyn welcome to the shift
0: Oh, welcome.
4: Um, it's nice to hear your voice again. I know that you've been on the air before, yeah. but uh, it's nice to hear it again. Well, thank um, you. With regards, with regards to your snacks and your meals and stuff like that, you've got to remember that constipation might be one of the consequences. <laughs> that you guys might face. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Nobody wants to yeah. go through that.
4: Yeah, and you went through a panel of clothing. You forgot about polar fleece.
1: Oh. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, 100%. Hundred percent. Yeah, so,
4: I've worn everything. I've worn everything that you said on the panel. So yeah. Okay. Um, I I, I prefer I prefer po- polar fleece because it brings more comfort in the wintertime. Yeah, so, that's yeah. fair.
1: That's fair. So then, Evelyn, like, I'll just propose the question: Am I a terrible Canadian for not having owned any piece of plaid flannel or or polar for for that matter? Like, am I just a wannabe Canadian? Really?
4: No, you got, you got fashion sense. You're an individual. (laughs) No, I'm serious, I'm serious. Some, there are some Canadians that have an individual sense of fashion and Fair there's enough. nothing wrong with you no there's nothing wrong with you no
1: okay well thank you evelyn i appreciate that and uh you know uh, i'm i'm feeling better about myself already appreciate you
4: well well good thank you so much i i tend to do that sometimes so i'm glad i did it again <laughs> yeah so you guys enjoy the rest of your show tonight okay thank
1: you evelyn i appreciate that you have a lovely night there in, in winnipeg i appreciate that phone call that is nice uh let's go to uh ed in vancouver ed welcome to the shift
5: Oh, thank you very much, but I have to uh, beg to differ with oh. Evelyn. Oh, oh John, dear. Oh, yes. You are not a true Canadian. No! Until you own it. Until you own at least one type of plaid, a shirt, a jacket,
0: hmm.
5: a onesie. you got to do something. Well. <sighs> you don't have to go out in public. Just get yourself a, a plaid onesie, which is all the rage anyways.
1: Okay, uh, I, I've heard the 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 deal about the onesie, and who doesn't love being comfortable at home? But I, right. I've got sweatpants already for that. You know, I've got my comfort wear all laid out, and it, it doesn't have plaid.
5: So, are you trying to attract ladies to your life in any way? Because onesies work
1: never. Honestly, it just it, <laughs> it, it it seems to never work.
3: You heard you heard you heard the man.
1: He oh had a onesie up onesie up i appreciate that we're gonna make that a hashtag on the show tonight hashtag onesie up baby
2: <laughs> onesie up
1: appreciate you ed thanks Sheetal. all right uh, that's ed in vancouver giving me uh uh the big no no yeah um I, i'm you know i'm trying plaid boxers it's an easy way to incorporate plaid the first time get some plaid boxers. okay okay oh, i could get behind that get some plaid boxers see how you look i could get behind that uh i you know i just gotta here's the thing i don't really want to do shopping in store anymore uh, just you know, because of what's happening in the world right now. So, the problem with buying underwear on the internet is that you, you have no idea how it fits, right? I mean, like they'll tell you like small, medium, large, but really, what are they comparing it to? Because it's not you, and every body is different. I yeah. bought underwear on the internet before. I have, and it, sometimes they come a little too small. A I'm a little bit of a, too uncomfortable. Oh dear,
3: yeah. I'm a bit of a brand loyalist, and I'm not. I'm not paid by them. Just mm. like to make a disclaimer. Okay. But Joe Boxer.
2: Yeah. My only rule is to just never, not that I've ever done it, but just, it's always seemed like a bad idea to buy underwear secondhand. Oh, please don't. (laughs)
1: Please don't. I I don't think I would, yeah. (laughs) I mean, hey, secondhand clothing, nothing wrong with that. But we draw the line at drawers.
2: Like, when you're at Value Village and you you see it. Oh, don't. And you're just like, okay, that's an option that's out there. (laughs) But, like, that's the line. You have to draw the line, and that is clearly the second-hand underwear line. That's
3: it. Don't don't step over that line.
1: Absolutely. It's not worth it. Uh, we, uh, we were going to have a conversation about uh, the new strain of COVID-19 having uh, arrived here in BC and Canada. way more we're, important. We're, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that conversation eventually <laughs> later on. Uh, we got Okay's coming up next, too, and I'm going to piss everybody off even more so with this whole plaid discussion, with our food discussion that's coming up next for Okay's. But it's fascinating because like people are very passionate about plaid flannel here in Canada. Like It's just an observation. I'm not saying it's a a golden rule of our country, but even in the text message inbox, like we got this one from Dave and Delta saying, "My daughters and girlfriend call me the man from Plaid," and he's proud of it. Like two exclamation marks and three laughing crying emojis to go with it. The man from Plaid. The man from Plaid. With a badass theme song that's like a Western style. Oh yeah. Like the good and the bad and the ugly. Like.
6: <whistles> bow, bow, bow.
1: You know. That's, again, our very high, expensive, super good quality sound effects team coming through right there. But am I a bad Canadian? I don't know. Rob asking, do you try on your underwear before you buy it? Well, if it's on the internet, I can't. And if it's in store, I don't think they they let you go for the most. Like the
3: reason, the reason I brought up Joe Boxer, go for the most elasticy ones. There is no shame. Elasticy, I feel like that's
1: the worst thing. You want it like nice and loose fitting, almost.
3: Well, that's the thing. You need to find the right elasticy, elasticy Mm. that it provides a a good grip. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) but there's room to breathe. Yeah, fair enough. This
1: is the
0: Shift Podcast.
1: Our man who's been waiting so patiently, he never speaks, but you do hear his contributions each and every night. It is Roberto. Let's bring him back in here, Roberto. Yeah, yeah. Ah, so good. Flawless execution on these riffs all the time. Andrew, take us take us uh, into this.
3: Are you okay with a Georgia Senate candidate in the final stages of what could be the decisive Senate race in the United States? Meming on Tech Talk.
1: Ooh. Meming memeing on tiktok i uh, i don't have tiktok i don't i don't use tiktok i do appreciate memes i don't know if i necessarily want to see politicians memeing but i can't be hypocritical because when aoc started playing among us oh that was so cool <laughs> and she brought in jagmeet singh to play among us i enjoyed the heck out of that just because like it's cool to see uh you know country political leaders world leaders maybe one day uh doing something like that where it's totally relatable because i've played among us so i'm on the fence i don't know if i'm ready to make a decision
2: on this one all right that's fine matt i have no idea what either of you guys have just said <laughs> <That's> fair <laughs> um but i mean that's the thing is like there's sort of the desperate w- way to reach out to the youth you know, and that is through obviously the online social platforms, mm-hmm. TikTok being kind of the newest craze, even though they're all just trying to steal your information. But um, <laughs> I, I just hand mine over at this point. Yeah, I'm. I don't know. You gotta you, you gotta reach out to the kids somehow to get their their sweet sweet votes. That's right. The government
3: knows what size my underwear is. So it's fine, <laughs> exactly. um, but no. And I think that that what Matt said is the bottom line here. You know, politicians are realizing that with you know the advent of stuff like TikTok, with AOC tackling uh, Among Us, with uh, with NDP leaders saying, yeah. um, they're really trying to reach out and engage the youth because this is where the youth are now. Um, and even you know, for someone like me, I'm relatively young. Just speaking here, uh, I don't even have TikTok. I'm just like eh. I'm already too curmudgeon for that. <laughs> um, but some of the content I've seen on it is just absolutely amazing. And so listen to this. This is what uh, uh, Georgia Senate candidate John Ossoff, he's a Democrat running for uh, the Georgia Senate seat. Mm. Uh, and if you're following U.S. politics, you know that while you know, the U.S. election by and large is over, this Senate seat will, con- will you know, has a possibility to dictate who controls the U.S. Senate. And with that, if the Democrats are able to win uh, these two Senate seats in Georgia— That'll be a Democrat House, Democrat Senate, Democrat President. There will be no roadblocks to having uh, Joe Biden and the Democratic Party uh, doing whatever they really want um, in U.S. government. And if the Republicans hold on to the Senate, which they currently do, uh, that presents a big roadblock for the Democrats. So this is a big deal. And this is how John Ossoff is uh, campaigning to try and reach the youngins.
2: Hey, yeah, I'd like to place an order for pickup, please. Uh
1: huh, it's John. Yeah, J as in jobs, O as in over 1.5 million Georgians have voted
3: early in the runoff for U.S. Senate. And if you want to relieve student loan debt,
7: save the environment, legalize marijuana and increase the minimum wage to $15, you better vote now. And N is for New Civil Rights Act.
3: I thought that was really tidy of him. I like that. Like I Akron, thought that was really tidy of him. And the video is just kind of him on the bus, like on the phone. And all that background noise is because he's on his campaign bus.
1: Interesting. Okay, so he's using the platform to obviously just directly get a message out to younger uh, and maybe even future voters. And he's doing – and, you know, the thing about TikTok is that anytime there's a uh, campaign, election campaign of – one way or the other there's a limited budget right supposedly (laughs) for like what you can do with marketing and what you can do with all that so tiktok is free and so i i can get behind the notion that you're trying to do something that isn't using campaign money and you're trying to do your best to again like matt was saying uh, appeal to younger voters so ultimately i'll say i'm okay with it as long as it's not something cringy like doing a tiktok dance i've had enough of those
3: I think, like, for me, where it is is the cringier the better. Right. Because cringy stuff is what really gets traction. Now, that video where he is like, Jay, as in jobs, yeah, that's kind of cringy. A little bit. Um, but that kind of is also endearing in a way.
1: Yes, it's, it's almost it's like, like
3: self-deprecation. Exactly. Look at this man try to make hilarious, relatable content and essentially fail doing so, but it makes him so real. Right. And that's kind of why I like that. So, you know, for all intents and purposes, I'm totally okay with, you know, a Democrat, a Georgia Senate candidate, you know, memeing on TikTok to try and win the vote because you got to do what you can.
1: Reminds me of that one episode of South Park where Cartman is, I guess, filling in as a substitute teacher. And the ongoing phrase that episode is, how do I get these kids? You know, how do I just connect to these kids? And so I feel like, in a sense, this is just a politician asking the exact same thing. And then somebody on that staff, probably like a 22-year-old, 23-year-old uh, political science intern is like, hey, have you heard of TikTok? <laughs> and they'll be like, oh, my God, brilliant idea. And thus created this video. So I, I really, I really like, it. like it. Will it work? I guess time will tell. But uh, you can't blame a guy for trying. Absolutely not. All right, let's bring back uh, Roberto. Uh, One thing I do approve of is this flawless guitar gift. He's so good. So good.
3: Are you okay with a man tackling snore removal,
1: much in the way that Elon Musk would probably tackle it? Like using technology? Interesting. That's one way to put it, yeah. Um, yeah, because, look, nobody likes shoveling snow. Nobody likes having to shovel and, and you know, pull out your back, uh, kill your shoulders. Maybe, you know, you trip, you bruise yourself on oh. the butt. Like, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of hazards and risks that go into snow shoveling. And I, for one, will not stand for it anymore. So, yes, I support that.
2: Yeah, I mean, maybe you should stretch first, but, you know... <laughs> um, yeah, sometimes you have I to... I pulled you- my, my calf just
1: getting to work here today. Oh, my God. <laughs> Are you okay? Are you dehydrated? Get some water.
2: <laughs> but, you know, sometimes you got to use a little bit of ingenuity to, to get rid of that snow real quick, right? So if it, if there's anything that would make it easier, you know, as sort of a step up from the shovel, the time-honored instrument of snow removal, <laughs> other than, you know, a snow removal machine. A Mr. Plow? Uh, yes, uh, yeah, other me. than a snow plow. <laughs> um then yeah I'm, a, I'm all for it now
3: snowblowers are cool and all i guess i mean we're in canada i think snowblowers are cool but maybe that's just my strange sense of what is cool yeah um but this kentucky man and i'll play the audio here and let's see if you, if you can guess what's happening uh this is how he removes snow snow
0: service removal now available
3: can you guess what that is
1: I I almost want to say like a like a leaf blower, but it's not as loud. Like that just sounds like really strong winds. Yeah, it's not a leaf blower. Okay. Uh
2: Oh, I'll give you a, I'll give you a hint here.
1: Oh oh, oh. oh, I see. He's got a tree machine. <laughs>
3: It's, it's <laughs> well, what, what even is a tree machine? Is it like a I, machine that creates trees? I don't know. <laughs> uh, what he's got, and this is a video up, uh, uploaded to Facebook by, uh, by a relative of his. This man's name is Timothy Browning. Hmm. Uh and he's become somewhat of a, of a sensation over the last couple of days. You may have seen the video uh, in and around your social media channels, but that's a flamethrower. What? Cool. That's a, that's a full-on flamethrower. Okay. Uh, and he's also rocking the Cousin Eddie luck from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, where he's got, like, the bathrobe, the right. socks and slippers, and a hat. So he's just out there on his driveway, literally power-blasting away the snow on the ground with a flamethrower. Huh. And if you remember Elon Musk some time ago was selling flamethrowers right that you could purchase, and you know they of course were not you have to be careful to need to have proper papers to have to buy them and all that stuff, but this is a thing that you can I guess do and it, it never occurred to me, and maybe that's because I live in Vancouver, and snow is kind of a a rarity if you will um But, yeah, that does make sense. Why not have what is the equivalent of a gigantic butane torch to simply just melt
1: (laughs) the snow off your driveway? Like, why not? My very adult response would be, oh, I don't think the homeowners association is going to like this. Oh, homeowners association. But on the other hand, the kid in me is like, yeah. Hell yeah.
3: The HOA won't like it because they'll be out there pulling their lower backs, trying to clear snow while I'm out there, you know, with a glass of whiskey in one hand. Right. Just kind of easily clearing my driveway and smiling at them as I do it. My God. Okay,
1: so, like, the thing is, when you got a flamethrower, no one in that neighborhood would dare, like, knock on your door and be like, (laughs) hey, uh, Tim... Uh, notice you just kind of, you know, blasted your flamethrower all over the yard. Uh, just wanted to say, man, uh, maybe you could give
2: us a little heads up. Take a couple inches off our snowman.
3: <laughs> I mean, you know, if it's not, you know, if it's more like uh, one of those things that you see uh, construction workers do to kind of proof the asphalt, right? Uh, those flames. I think
1: you're 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 doing okay. Yeah. If it's the
3: middle of winter and everything's covered in snow. You know, if you've got somebody on standby with a bucket of water, so I'm,
1: j- I'm just thinking like like you know, it's one of those army flamethrowers <laughs> that spews out like thirty feet ahead of you, and then you've got this this shirtless sergeant who's like, I love the smell of napalm in the morning. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. No, we're
3: not. Uh, it's not that intense, unfortunately. Okay. Right. In a way, unfortunately, because I kind
1: of, I definitely
3: kind of want to see that. Yeah. That kind of sounds like a something that would happen, and I don't know. Somewhere where
1: it actually snows.
2: I have to uh, give some props to Trucker Dan on the text line for guessing uh, the flamethrower before we even played it.
1: Well done, Trucker Dan. Wow. The attentive powers of the ear—he knew right away. Maybe Trucker Dan has come across flamethrowers uh, once or twice before.
3: Nice Maybe life. Trucker Dan uses, you know, like a Maybe. like a torch to you know melt snow off of stuff. I I wouldn't blame him. It's easy. Yeah. But you know, I mean, it's kind of in a way almost soothing the sound of it, like.
1: Yeah, like when you, when I hear sounds it, like the waves. That's what I was gonna say. It's like when you put your ear up to a what, like a seashell. Yeah, and then, you know, like when you're a kid, oh, the sound of the ocean is in the seashell, so you take it home with you, and then you just put it in, and all I can hear is blood rushing. But I digress. It it's it sounds nice. The flamethrower sounds nice.
3: Now it clears snow and provides soothing, soothing calmness to you and your life,
1: and possible zombie defense possible hey you can never be too careful you can never be too careful
0: it's the shift podcast
1: are you okay with the fact that ham is superior to turkey in every single way oh my god every single way now we're on the heels of christmas (laughs) Uh, by the way we don't have any audio to play there is no relevant audio to suggest I that pull ham up turkeys is
3: turkeys clucking, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, if you want, I'm wanna. not going to. Yeah, okay, fair but enough. You know, no. we could.
1: <laughs> okay, so my whole notion when it comes to holiday meals is that turkey has somehow—I don't know how—turkey has somehow become the go-to dinner centerpiece for Thanksgiving and Christmas. And, and you know, maybe if you're a family that also celebrates other things throughout the year, you might have turkey for Halloween. I don't know. Maybe you have it for St. Patrick's Day. I don't know. It could happen. But somehow turkey became the centerpiece for these big family dinners when we're supposed to have them, when we're allowed to have them. But why? Why? I, I can't imagine how it ever came to this point. Friends, listen closely. Ham is superior to turkey in every single way. How? Turkey is dry. It's dry. And if you're telling me now that you know how to make the perfect turkey, I'm going to say you probably don't. Maybe you lucked into it. Maybe you just don't really know what you're doing. Most people, it seems, don't. And it therefore ends up dry. And the one thing that I've noticed when I go to friends' houses or ex-girlfriends' houses and they have these big family get-togethers where the turkey's there, it's always dry. And you need to complement the turkey with some sort of condiment. Like gravy or cranberry sauce, which is pathetic. If it's good enough to be a centerpiece, it should be fine by its own, but it can't because it's dry. So my go-to choice when I ever have the chance to do so is to go to that, oh, delicious, perfectly cooked, juicy, standalone, solid food choice that is ham. And ham is as consistent as it gets. There's really no way to screw up ham. Maybe you overcooked it and you burnt your house down, in which case that sucks. But really, you can't, you can't get to that point unless you've done something really wrong. So my whole argument with ham being superior to turkey is that it's standalone. It doesn't need these silly things like gravy and cranberry. Uh, it doesn't need anything else. You can just have ham. And that's a That's a, a solid, satisfying meal by itself. No matter what, I'm, I'm, I refuse to hear any arguments, otherwise suggesting that turkey is better. I, I just, I, I don't think you have any way of throwing me off this particular post. What if Canadians want to argue with you? I mean, hey, you're, you're welcome to 877-399-9898. I just don't see how you could possibly come up with an argument because turkey. Ah, oh man, it's ridiculous. The only thing turkey might have going for it is the fact that you get leftovers.
3: That's it. That's true. You get a lot of, like, food for the road.
1: But that's also maybe a point on the minus column. Oh, my God. Because if you can't finish it in one sitting, is it really <laughs> the most sensible choice? Like, really? If you, Even if you have, like, a gathering in um, years past for Christmas where there's, like, 10, 15 people at the house and you still can't... Get down that turkey in one sitting. Is it really the right choice? I don't know. Feels like a, a nice roasted ham would have done just really nicely right there. I'm standing up in
3: my kind of little booth uh, <laughs> off to the side between John and Matt. And, I, and I've got a view of Matt's kind of, uh, f- we've got like a phone screen or computer that yeah. houses all the calls and yeah, texts. That's popping.
1: And it's lighting up. <laughs> yeah, that's popping. <laughs> Look what you've done. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll take <laughs> one caller here real quickly. And then we'll, we'll get to some more on the other side because, uh, you know. We got a show to execute <laughs> this is dangerous. This is dangerous, but let's go to it. This Hello. is uh Glenn in Oshawa, Ontario. Glenn, welcome to the shift.
5: And, and, first off, really good hearing you on a Sunday night. Appreciate that. <laughs> i uh, I look forward to listening to you all week. I, I only work two days this week, but it would be New Year's Eve. but Back to your ham uh,
1: comment.
0: Yes.
5: I fully agree with you that ham is more superior Uh than turkey.
1: Ah, yes,
0: Glenn. However,
1: however,
5: your argument is that turkey is always dry. Right. Well, that's because it's being cooked improperly. You Uh have to cook the turkey upside down.
1: Wait wait a second. I've never heard of this method before.
5: Oh, if you cook it with the best side down, so it's always in the juices. Hmm. So you're basting it cuz all the dark meat on the is on the legs it's all what normally would be on the bottom of the turkey. Right. So you you my wife she does it all the time because it's a showpiece. So people always cook it that way so it looks like a showpiece. But let's face facts, I want to eat the meat not this not the beautifully golden brown skin as good as it tastes. Right. I but, mean but if you if you cook the turkey upside down Interesting. So the breast is down it's always in the juice and it is Always juicy. Okay. All right. I'll admit. I I do agree with you. Ham. I eat eat turkey only twice a year, but we eat ham at least once or twice, once or twice a month. Exactly. We're also eating bacon. Let's face that. There's a lot of female bacon. So you know, I. It's all ham. It's all ham.
1: It's all ham. (laughs) Hey, Glenn. Appreciate you giving us a call here tonight. (laughs) All right, <laughs> you have a great evening. You too. That's uh, Glenn in Oshawa, and I love it. We got some support for ham, I'm sure. The Turkey Defenders <laughs> are going to be coming up in spades. they uh, we'll, Let's see what the Turkey Defenders have to say about that. We got Trucker Dan on the line. Hey, Trucker Dan. How are you tonight, John? Doing well, man.
5: You, you are you are still so wrong on the ham. I I'm, I hate to say this. Uh, 35 oh. years ago, yep. yeah, ham was better, but now it's nothing but salt. That's The liking taste is salt. On, on the ham. You
1: just got to find the right ham.
5: <clears throat> well, yeah, unless you go to a farmer to get one, you're uh, going to get you're gonna get, a, you're gonna get the, the salt-cured ones that are just absolutely terrible.
1: Anyway. I, I would also counter then 35 years ago you could probably find better turkey. Now turkeys are just bloated, right? I mean, they stuff all kinds of birds with water, really.
5: Well, that was going to be my next point is yeah. that people are wanting to go and buy
8: huge turkeys. Uh,
5: that's why they're always dry. That's why there are always so many leftovers is that, is that uh People buy oversized turkeys and they cook too long. They're they're stuffed with uh, or they're they're water chilled because they're not allowed to inject them with water. They're water chilled, so they still absorb some water.
1: Right. And
5: and then that, all, that evaporates out. So yeah, that's why they're so dry. Get a smaller turkey, so you don't have to cook it as long. Okay. And and oh, so much better. See, it's, so not, it's
1: not the size of the turkey that matters. It's how you cook it. Trucker Dan, with the wise, uh, valuable lessons here. Appreciate no, the call. A, it's
5: the size. It's the size. Because if it's too big, it cooks too long.
1: Sorry. Yeah, I meant to say like the size doesn't matter. So don't don't try to think big. Just try to work with what you got in terms of small, modest sizes. Maybe you don't get so dry if you're cooking the it, turkey. There you go. Hey, appreciate you, buddy. Have a good night, man. Yeah, you too. That's uh, Trucker Dan, one of our constant listeners. uh, Love his feedback there. Let's keep it going. Gene in Nanton, Alberta. Gene, welcome to The Shift.
9: Hello. Um, Trucker Dan kind of stole my thunder, but you know the the business of turkeys? Mm -hmm. um, When the pilgrims came over uh, on their Thanksgiving, for some reason they had turkey. Right. I don't know if the natives Taught them that you know how to get them or what the deal was, but anyway, they were the the big thing for uh, celebration. Right, and we got kind of carried away with it, just like we got carried away with the size of turkey. <laughs> a normal turkey back then, I don't know, probably about a fifteen pounder.
1: Right, and, and now um, they're they are almost grotesque. In size,
9: well, they're and they've got those humongous breasts on them. Exactly, now. yeah. I uh, and I think you of right about the ham too. It's over salted, over cured. Mm. Uh, well, all of our food has been messed
1: with. It's you know, a good humans point.
9: Humans cannot leave anything na- natural anymore.
1: It's a We've very good have point.
9: Bigger and better.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's just the world we're living in now. Everything seems to be mass produced, and our foods are honestly the things that are the most mass produced, really.
9: And they're they're pretty tasteless too. Like if you if you grow a garden, your your vegetables out of your garden taste so much better. than
8: I
1: believe that. out of a store. I believe that. Gene, appreciate you giving us a call here. We're just up against the clock.
9: All righty, have a
1: good night. <laughs> you as well. That's uh, Gene in Nanton, Alberta. We can fit in one more quick caller here, and we'll take more on the other side. Let's connect with Cam in Surrey. Cam, welcome to The Shift.
6: Hey, man. You like ham so much. I might have thought you're like heavily invested in some ham stocks.
1: Or I have I have no stocks whatsoever. <laughs> I, I'm a terrible financial planner.
6: But all I know is, Tam, uh, Tam
1: ham is delicious.
6: Well, you know what? That's back in the 80s and 90s, turkey was dry. Now it's nice and moist. I tell you, there's this thing in Safeway. It's called an oven bag where oh. you can actually cook a turkey in the bag, plastic bag, and put it straight in the oven. And it's so moist and so juicy. Oh, man. Ham is like a bachelor thing. You whoa, know, whoa. guys. <laughs> Don't, 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 they don't know how to cook you know but you know there's no better turkey than from a Ukrainian grandmother or oh. maybe German but otherwise you gotta put it in a bag you know that just keeps it nice and moist and it cuts down the cooking time okay at two hours it'll be done you're not gonna be standing for four hours basting you don't have to baste it you just throw it in a bag fair it's enough it's look oven bag it's, you can buy it at Safeway or buy low foods
1: we'll look into it hey Cam appreciate your call we're up against the clock I mean that's good advice look for the turkey in a bag maybe and you can avoid the dry terrible flavor that turkey seems to come with nowadays i will say ham might be the bachelor's meal but spam is most definitely the bachelor's meal. i still enjoy spam i'm not gonna lie to you guys so good uh, let's get Catherine out in surrey katherine welcome to the shift
0: Welcome. Happy Christmas and all that. I didn't get to say that for you, to you before.
1: That's right. Yeah. Happy Christmas and happy holidays.
0: <laughs> belated, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, you know, we forgot about one thing. I I always do this every year and I do organic mm. turkeys. And man, they have rich taste and I love them.
1: But do you need to? I never
0: get the waterlogged turkey at all. Never. So,
1: so so you don't need to add the cranberry and the gravy because it's a standalone, solid, juicy turkey.
0: Well, I add that anyway because it tastes good, right? Oh, okay, okay, all right. But oh, yeah, and that's why they make butterball turkeys too.
1: I've, you know what? I I don't think I've ever tried a butterball. To be fair, in the name of science, maybe I should go and experiment with some butterballs.
0: (laughs) There you go. You got two things you can go for.
1: Chinese food and butter balls. All right, (laughs) quickly racking up a grocery bill. (laughs) Hey, thanks a lot, Catherine. Yeah, exactly. (laughs)
0: Okay.
1: Appreciate you calling in as always. That is Catherine out in Surrey. I mean, hey, uh, she says I I get the organic turkey and it's juicy. It's good on its own. Organic ham, though. I think that's a thing, right? Right. Organic ham must be a thing, right? There's organic everything, man. Organic Skittles. It's coming one day. Uh, Stephen and Langley, welcome to the shift. Turkey or ham?
8: Hello, John Dang. <laughs> I love your show. Appreciate it. I've I talked to you a couple times now. Um, I'm going to put a plug in here for Sherry from the Gourmet Warehouse because she taught me how to make, how to brine a turkey. Oh. And I've never looked back. And you can uh, ask Michael Smith, Michael Smith from the morning show. And, All right. And he'll tell you the same thing. And what you do is um, you make up a, a solution. You boil up uh, kosher salt. And um, some herbs, garlic, and stuff in a pot of water. And then you pour it over the turkey. And it, put the turkey in a pot, like in a big pot, they, they pop, pour the, the solution over it. And put it in a cooler with ice with ice to keep it cold. Right. And, and let it sit for 24 hours and marinate. Ooh, that's a and long it, and, and time. And it tenderizes the bird. And then with your stuffing, you use... The stuffing she suggested was, um, yeah, add some sausages. So I just I'm making my turkey right now. By the way, <laughs>
0: <laughs> well look at that. I
8: couldn't get it done at Christmas because uh my dog is really sick and I oh uh, I'm sorry to his hear way that. Way out yeah. tonight, so I'm babysitting. I'm looking after him tonight because I think this was supposed to be his last meal. Oh I'm sorry to it's hear that. I, you know so it's uh, tragedy become comedy, so I'm sort of joking about it, but. This was supposed to be his last meal. This turkey dinner. So, well, in that maybe, case, maybe I, he'll stay well enough to have it.
1: Yeah, in that case, I hope the turkey is succulent and perfect.
8: Oh, it's going to be. It's going to be. <laughs> and in the dressing, you use celery and um, and different kinds of breads for your for your bread stuff. Okay. And that lady that was just on, it said something about um, talked about butter balls. Yeah. For the turkey, Cherry um, said. You get some butter and some fresh herbs, mix it up, and then lift the skin up and massage the butter
1: into the turkey. Massage the oh man, okay, interesting. Yeah,
8: <laughs> turkey
1: gets a better deal than I do.
8: Yeah, and then and then all the drippings you use for the base for your great for your uh, gravy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate the call, Stephen, and uh, my it's, my uh, best quite wish. Quite the process, but it's uh, I love it. It's uh, Our... the turkey's always nice and moist, and so much flavor. And um, all right. I, 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 and, yeah, people are adding different things because, actually, on the box of turkey stuffing, you can add a can of uh, mandarin oranges to your dressing or shredded carrots and chopped cooked spinach. Now, that's wild. Or I, that's a bunch wild. Or uh, um, What else? Oh, mushrooms and onions. They so have four different things if you want to make a, you know the quick crafts stuffing. Or each dried cranberries and toasted pecan or walnut pieces. In well, your stuff well,
1: well Stephen so, hey thank, thank you for the call I appreciate your input here and and our our thoughts go out with your dog and I do hope that in your you, case John. of course uh, right. appreciate the call that's that's Stephen and Langley and hey I mean sorry to hear about the the sick dog but in, in that case I, I do hope the turkey is perfect more than perfect the best turkey that could be made
0: it's the shift podcast.
1: Alright, uh, to carry us through, in case you missed it, we've got Andrew Ferreira, which means...
2: In case you missed it on the radio, here's Andrew C. Ferrera. Love it. That's me.
3: That was executed live, by the way. Yeah, That's not a pre-recorded. He's, he's got a guitar in, c- in there.
2: In case you couldn't tell. <laughs>
3: Man, that's good. I mean, maybe we're just that talented at splicing audio together in, like, actual life. We're not. We're actually not. We're not nearly that good. No way. No. It'd be nice, though, if we were. What do you got for us, Andrew? Uh, I know that I, you know, I'm going to, one of my things within KCM is I try not to go too newsy, uh, but I can't overlook the fact that, you know, it is, and I remember when I was a kid, Boxing Day was just a day. Uh, It was a one day, you got big sales, and then that was it. But of course, thanks to consumerism, it has now become Boxing Week. Uh, that being said, uh, this has been a Boxing Day like no other. Uh, you know, you haven't seen people lining up, really. You haven't seen those door crasher deals. Uh, you saw lots of empty stores, quite frankly. Uh, and this is a, you know, a piece out of Kelowna in British Columbia in the interior. Uh, this is a piece by Jimmy Tawil, and it's about how local retailers have been trying, uh, to attract customers. Uh, but at the same time, they've got to keep in mind the COVID-19 restrictions.
7: It's days like Boxing Day that really highlight the major shift happening for local retailers in the midst of a global health pandemic. Probably not as robust as in previous years. The major shift to online shopping in a bid to keep socially distanced seems much more commonplace. But that's not to suggest there still aren't bargain hunters on the prowl. It uh, just complements what's happening as well, that the store traffic is still what we expect. Um, so it's just another just another convenience for our customers, I'd say. A Convenience, perhaps, but some retail owners like Andre Blandley maintain there are some items customers should avoid buying with just the click of a mouse. The problem with online is you don't really get any advice. So, I mean, I've got guys that have been doing this for 25 and 30 years. To give the advice that you need and the right products, it's, it's worth value. There's value there. Not to mention the shopping experience for those still looking for in-store deals really isn't so bad.
6: Oh, it's much different. Um, it's, it's not quite as busy. Um, whole social distancing is doing great in here, actually. It's working out really well.
7: With stores limited in terms of how many shoppers are allowed in at one given time, many retailers are opting to extend Boxing Day sales by upwards of two weeks. The million-dollar question, though, is will those chaotic one-day sales we saw pre-pandemic return? I actually hope not. I, I actually think that the customer experience is much better when we can spread it out. I mean, one day it's it's get in, get out. People are going everywhere. I, I think the ability to have a, a good, strong sale and spread it out where you've got time to actually spend time with the customer, make sure you're hitting the needs they need. An opinion shared not just by store owners, managers and employees, but many shoppers too.
6: I definitely prefer this style. This is more up my alley. <laughs> yeah, you betcha.
7: Jamie Tawiel, Global News.
3: And I think that's, you know, a a good look for, you know, brick and mortar retail going forward. Right. Uh, I, you know, I never, I personally never bothered lining up on Boxing Day proper, or, you know, Black Friday. Know that that's become a Canadian thing, too. It just, it just seems like so much hassle for, bleh, why would I? Right. So, you know, if, if retail has to change and retail, you know, has already changed forever. You, you look around at the streets in your city, your town, uh, There's a lot of places that this time last year were raking in money, and this time, you know, right now, the doors are closed. You know, everything is shuttered. So, you know, things are changing, and they have to change, and I, for one, hope that it changes in a good way.
1: I I agree. I I think business and and a lot of things that we do in life uh, are going to change probably permanently moving forward simply because the landscape of basically everything else has just had to adapt to the new reality. But industry, specifically the shopping industry, um, a lot of it has to go online now. And I think that's just the way it has to work. Now, if you have that brick-and-mortar store, you can make it work by offering online then picking up in the store, doing curbside, doing whatever you want to. But it's forcing business models to change. And I'm excited to see five years from now what that change looks like. Because in the face of great challenges, new things and new ways and new compromises have to be made in order for us to become uh, like uh, uh, just arriving at a new destination, whatever that destination is going to be fascinates me because I think shopping the way we've been doing it pre-COVID-19 was a little outdated already. Like we had seen online businesses and online shopping starting to take off, but surely COVID-19 uh, pretty much rocketed everything to do mm-hmm. with it. And, and now I'm wondering, you know, what does that mean? Uh, like even, even just – sorry, just outside of like shopping centers, even offices – if now more businesses are coming around to the idea that you can just have a permanent work-from-home policy, then why would an office building uh, have to be leased out? Like if you're a company, let's say you're a startup, and you realize a lot of your employees can just work from home, why bother paying for an expensive lease downtown when you can have just the majority of your employees working from home and you can afford to have a smaller office somewhere else? That seems like a savvy business model to me.
3: And I think you're already seeing that happen, right? That That's the thing. You look at a lot of... Uh, I don't know if you remember, there's all these brand new companies that are specializing in kind of flexible workspace before mm-hmm. the pandemic. And of course, they got hit, too, um, when when all you know we were in the midst of the first wave, uh, you know, people not being allowed to go around and congregate in places. But I think, uh, you know, companies like that that are offering, you know, this flexible shared space that, you know, companies can rent out, you know, for varying amounts of time. I think that kind of model will take off again once this is all blown over. Right. Because it, it, you know, financially and economically, it makes more sense. If most people can do most of their work from home and you need to, you know, have for whatever reason some kind of in-person meeting or whatever. Why not rent out a you know a temporary space to do it in, have people come in face to face, and then, you know,
1: do the rest of work from home. It seems like a no brainer to me. I, I totally agree. And I'm sorry to sidetrack you nah. this whole conversation. I think one thing that should come back, and I don't think it will, but it should, more drive in movie theaters. Right? Oh, I'd love that. It'd be fun. Uh, but I know it's probably not
3: gonna happen. No, I don't think so either. But you know, who knows? You know, I in the nineteen like fifties, people thought in twenty twenty we'd be like, you know, in flying cars and stuff. That's and, true and here we are in our boring old ground the cars. The
1: Jetsons lied to me. That's what I'm taking away. Yeah. yeah. Uh
3: another piece of newsy newsy kind of thing here. Uh and I saw this in the headlines and I'm, we didn't get to it, but I figured this would be a good a good place to put it. Just because it's Christmas just because it's the holidays doesn't mean that people aren't watching the stupid things that you put online. Uh former BC Deputy Premier uh uh, Rich Coleman tweeted out a joke questioning the, the efficacy of the COVID-19 vaccine. He quickly deleted it, as he should have. Uh, but the damage was done. Here is Paul Johnson.
10: pieces In recent times, he's been one of B.C.'s longest-serving and most high-profile politicians. The former MLA for Langley East, Rich Coleman hit his peak during Christy Clark's B.C. Liberal government. But now, even in retirement, he's finding his way back into the news.
8: I have a lot of friends in all the camps uh, that are running for leadership.
10: His latest splash is this, a tweet that went out Saturday night where the former deputy premier wrote, How will we know if the vaccines are working? Will the survival rate go from 995 to 99.7%? Really strangely, night of Boxing Day, before eight o'clock, Rich Coleman posts a variant of a meme that's been going around. Mo Amir is a Vancouver podcaster and contributor to Global's sister radio station CKNW, and says Coleman's tweet is noteworthy for two reasons. Got a lot of backlash because it was kind of playing into this anti-vax, anti-mask uh, skepticism of what COVID is uh, phenomenon that you do see online. And it hasn't been just online. A potent mix of COVID denialism and conspiracy theory has emerged as a consequence of the pandemic. So whether he intended or not, a high-profile British Columbian making a statement that can be construed to throw shade on the importance of vaccinations gets noticed. There's also the logical question of why he appeared to be talking about vaccine effectiveness and COVID-19 case survival rates at the same time. Conflating those two really doesn't make any sense and it's actually quite dumb. For his part, Coleman yanked the tweet very quickly the same night and in another said, so I tweeted something earlier and on reflection thought it wasn't funny. My bad, sorry folks. Coleman didn't respond to a call from Global News Sunday. Paul Johnson, Global News.
1: My bad. Sorry, folks. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm a stupid man.
10: But you know, like, that's one of the
1: things, the great things we're learning about social media is that if you're an idiot, uh, you can quickly expose yourself to that to the whole world. And I'm very thankful for that. Aspect Absolutely. Of media. Like, you know, are there some downsides to social media? You bet. There's a lot of negative things about the way we use and consume social media on a daily basis. But when you out yourself as an idiot, uh it's it's just it's what makes Twitter great because it's a free app, and the amount of entertainment you can find on Twitter <laughs> it's just great now I don't at all uh, condone the message that rich Coleman was trying to pass it seems um I don't know like a slap in the face like you got dr. Bonnie Henry in the same uh work week earlier when she was uh you know. Videoed uh, taking the COVID nineteen vaccine to try and show the rest of the public that it's okay to do so, that it's safe to do so. That BC's top medical officer is getting the COVID nineteen vaccine, and then the former deputy premier is literally questioning the you know the efficacy of it. I, I just think, man, that's a slap in the face.
3: There's two kinds of like social media memeing. There's the Democrat candidate in Georgia who's using TikTok videos to right. do his campaigning, right? And then there's Rich Coleman being an idiot. Yep two kinds choose the right one If you you know if you're anybody this goes for anyone but especially if you're a high profile person a politician uh celebrity you know anyone like that before you send that tweet go to another window do yeah. something else for about two or three minutes and, and then come right. back and read it again if you still think you should post it go for it and maybe don't even yeah and you know if you think maybe this might have a, you know a bad blowover. just pump the brakes don't do it don't Just be... don't do it or you know be stupid and let everyone else know that you're stupid yeah you that's, know, that's either way. that's kind of the way it's turned out here um flying across the pond to europe now in case you missed this uh recent excavations in the city of pompeii which uh if you recall back in the day in 79 ad i don't know who of you was around then i kind of got uh unfortunately hammered by a volcano named vesuvius Uh, the kind of archaeological work has been going on for years and years and years, exhuming what has been left of the city encased in ash. But one thing that I thought was really cool was the uh, excavation of uh, what may be one of the world's earliest fast food places.
4: This is an incredible discovery, says Pompeii's head archaeologist Massimo Osana, of an amazingly well-preserved cafeteria counter that sold hot food and drink to ancient Romans. The shop, along with the whole coastal town of Pompeii, was buried in ash and pumice when nearby Mount Vesuvius erupted in 79 AD, killing up to 15,000 people. Bright frescoes of a rooster and two ducks hanging upside down, along with traces of the Nearly 2,000-year-old food, pork, fish, snails, and beef, were discovered. Megan Williams, ABC News, Rome.
2: I wonder how they made their coffee.
3: (laughs) Cowboy coffee, baby. But how cool is that? That you know, through all the destruction, right? That you know, we saw that you see in videos and pictures of Pompeii. You've probably seen a documentary where you see the city just get absolutely obliterated. There was the
1: Hollywood movie not that long ago.
3: There you go. We're able to see, and if you you know Google you know Pompeii excavation, this will probably be at the top of the news feed. I'm looking at a picture right now. They look like brand almost brand new paintings, just a little bit dirty. Right. Right. And this is all thanks to flooding that has come through the area in recent weeks. Uh, The flooding has kind of washed away some of the debris. Mm. uh, Bringing up these, you know, almost wonderfully preserved frescoes. And it's interesting to me that there's, you know, images of ducks hanging upside down, uh, of chickens hanging upside down, sorry, and like a rooster there. It's like a menu. This is it's literally like a menu for whatever was served here. And I think that that's just super neat. That's fascinating. That we can see this, you know, you, you bring up your favorite. And whenever I think of uh, menus that really do it for me, it's always the old school, really yellowed menus mm. that you see above a counter in like, a, in, like a, in like an American style Chinese place. Sure. That yellowed menu with pictures, this is the equivalent of that. Right. This is exactly what that is. And the fact that we can see that people from, you know, 2000 years ago also just wanted to get a bunch of chicken legs and have some wine. Yes. Like we're really just the same. And it's no, kind
1: of neat. No, they didn't have turkey.
3: No, there <laughs> 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 there. Uh, there, there I, I don't I'm reading this. There was no turkey. found. Uh-huh.
1: So, so uh, <laughs> Ham wins again. <laughs> Score one for Team All John. Right. I'm sorry. I just had to. I had yeah, to I don't throw that you. one in there. I don't blame uh, you. Appreciate that. That is in case you missed it with Andrew Ferreira and some fascinating stuff.
0: Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast.
10: Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review
5: the show, and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast,
10: Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.